0: Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Fabulous new inventory. Great lots filled with pre owned inventory. All with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. They've gone through that 164-point inspection. And not only that, from sales to service, they take care of every phase of this, and they're going to get you a great deal on this. Why do they have so much repeat business? I mean, they have a lot of repeat business. Why? They've earned it. Why don't you stop in and find out why they're earning it? Is it Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury? Sunbury Motors Kia... Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. A second Major League Baseball team is going with full attendance. Already you have the Texas Rangers at full attendance. Now it's going to be the Atlanta Braves. They're next. So they are going with full attendance. Also, LSU is going to allow full attendance for all of its stadiums. Uh, LSU is going to permit 100% capacity for fans at Alex Box Stadium for baseball, Tiger Park for softball for the remainder of the season, and masks will not be required. LSU will also allow full crowds for Saturday at track and field for the team's final home meet. That's what LSU's doing. And, of course, for the fall, they want to pack Tiger Stadium. So that's what they're doing. As for here, it is my understanding and tell me if I'm wrong about this Matt, I believe the governor is offering new guidance on May 17th.
1: Actually, that is news to me. I was only I've only been told of what was announced yesterday from the CDC and then the state followed suit on the masking from out for outside is a little bit lessened now.
0: Follow my lead on this. May 17th there'll be new guidance. Okay? I can't do everything at the station. I can't. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, you, you beat me said... to it this time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
0: All right. More with Thomas Frank Carr in the draft in a moment. We're going to get to what Kyle Shanahan's doing at three, but first our play-by-play call of the day. Here's a set of the 1-1. Newman runs, and the pitch is swung on. Lofted to center. Taylor was playing in. He's racing in. He can't get it. Here comes Storch to score. The Pirates lead it 2-1. Wilmer Defoe with a pinch hit RBI single. Joe Block with a call on the Pirates radio network. The Pirates have now won a dozen games so far this season. They've been one of the early surprises. I mean, credit where credit is due. I said they would struggle to win between 50 and 60 games. They already have a dozen wins. And we're at April 28th. All right, so let's uh, go back to the draft. More of our draft preview from Pro Football Focus and other outlets, Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, So Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, we know what he's done with Jimmy Garoppolo. We know what he did with Matt Ryan. But one of the unknowns is that The best years Matt Schaub had was when he was with the Houston Texans and his quarterback coach was Kyle Shanahan. So the Niners moved up to three, so what do you think uh, think he's going to do with three?
1: (laughs) Steve, if I knew that, I would take a considerable sum of money and go over and put it down somewhere on draft props. I think that even now, when people are fairly confident it's Mac Jones – I'm fairly confident Kyle Shanahan is just deking out the rest of the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I I low-key love this conspiracy that all of his former friends and co-workers and subordinates that are in New York, Kyle Shanahan is the quarterback guy in the NFL now. He Mm -hmm. is the guy that we all look to to go, okay, what's the next thing in quarterback fashion, Mm -hmm. emanator of fashion, Kyle Shanahan? And if he's talking somebody up, there may be a small chance he's just wanting Robert Sala and uh, one of the LeFleur clones to take Mac Jones because, like, well, if Kyle wants Mac, maybe we should rethink this. As crazy as that is, that's my favorite draft theory. Um, but it might just be that he likes Mac Jones. and, and it. <laughs> but to trade up to get something that looks a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo to me... Is, is is a rough ask for 49er fans in the, in the sense of, like, the tools, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I rail all the time about how tools don't matter, but it's about a threshold, right? It's about you have to be above a certain percentage of all these things, and then they don't necessarily matter and Mac Jones is teetering on that line of does he have enough arm strength does he have enough pocket mobility where he can throw off platform and the new vogue in the NFL obviously is you know out of structure stuff Kyle Shanahan the way he can develop plays and the way that his offense has evolved with jet motions and sweeps Mm -hmm. and everything he does to make linebackers wrong. All he needs is a guy that can get the ball to the right spot at the right time. So maybe that part isn't as important to him. And maybe he doesn't want a quarterback that runs um, as much as you would do with Trey Lance. So I I think if, if you thought, between the two, I... I'd still take Mac Jones, but with Justin Fields sitting there, hmm. there must be something that I don't know. Like just simply that that you know I'm not in the draft process where I get all the medical information and I get all of the information on the the player and the person, all those things. Not saying there's a personality problem with 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 him, but just something that uh, Kyle Shanahan thinks isn't a fit. Maybe he's like. Jimmy Garoppolo in some sense of his ability to see the field fully I, I don't know but I haven't seen it um, and that's to me I'd still go Justin Fields and I think that this is still could be a smokescreen just because he's he's messing with everybody
0: <laughs> okay so then so the mystery of the draft and a lot of I think it's pretty clear the Jets are going to take Wilson yeah. yeah, yeah, so the mystery of the draft really starts at three and then the draft really kicks into gear at four of the non-quarterbacks, give me five guys that uh, should be going off the board early.
1: So Sewell is the the obvious one at the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Pitts, I think, is the most sure thing. of uh, Pitts, and, and and this is this, this former is, quarterback, by the way. Yeah, it shows too his ability to to see the field in in a, in a unique way. Mm-hmm. It's the skill set at the position that is rare, mm-hmm. and. We've talked about this before a lot when it comes to tight ends. There just aren't a lot of good tight ends that have the blend of positional skills and uh, supreme athleticism. The reason everyone's chasing a guy like, and we'll get to Micah Parsons in a minute is the scarcity of the tight end is you can name on one hand the number of difference makers at tight end. Right. and and they are uh, they they flip the field for you. they They create so many problems that defenses are trying to solve. Uh, And then on on that side, the question I have about Micah Parsons is his coverage ability... I don't think it's a negative. I think it's a, a relative unknown. Whenever Brent Pry talked about he's just scratching the surface, I think his understanding of coverages and how to get into position in a zone defense and how to read what's going on, I think those were the things he was developing that we never got to see the end result of. Right. Now, I, I don't think he's going to be a supreme Luke Kuechly sort of next-generation linebacker that can do everything, but I think he could be good enough that you don't have to rush him on every third down. That being said, he's so good at rushing, I would consider ta- I would consider you know making a special position for him. Uh, outside of that, I uh, Patrick Sertan is is good, not great, and then Jamar Chase. As much as I like him, I do have issues with his separation ability, but he's so physical mm. that I think that he makes up for that. 166 um, pound wide receiver scares the daylights out of me, and Devontae Smith. Um so really there's a couple of guys that I think are complete athletes with great positional skills and it's it's those 3 at the top but Parsons the position kind of drives his value down a little bit.
0: Parsons uh for him it the intelligence because to do what he did you have to be smart. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you yeah. have to, and to do what he he has done you have to have work ethic. He's got yep. both of those so yep. that that that's going to play in his favor. Uh what's interesting about Smith is is that it was my, remember my big complaint about in the championship game? Deck him. Yeah. Yep. Well, Ohio State didn't even attempt to. But if you really watch video of him, nobody gets a clean shot at him off the line of scrimmage. No. He is very good at getting himself at 166 pounds off the line. Off the line of
1: scrimmage. And he's good in contested situations, too. So, like, he elevates well. He plays through contact at the catch point well. It's just the literal, I don't know another guy that plays at 166. Like, and and as much as I don't like to traits scout and I want to watch what's on the film, it's it's the same thing with Rondale Moore. I want Rondale Moore to be 5'9", 190 pounds. I just, I need that because then I have more assuredness that he is Tyree Kill and he's not a gadget player. And that's to me. It's those small separators that give me hesitance when it comes to guys like Devonte Smith or Rondale Moore. But they, uh, Smith, to me, is I, I'd still take him in the top ten. But I'm prepared for a world where he isn't as good as Heisman Trophy winning, going to be the next great thing at wide receiver. There, there is a future where he isn't, and he's just a very good player.
0: Past history means something, at least to me, it does. Moore has been hurt a couple times. Yep. yeah, Smith has not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and he's been playing the entire time. I mean, who caught the touchdown pass against Georgia in overtime? I think people forget that was him. Yeah. Everybody's like, Tua, Tua, Tua.
1: Who caught it? The freshman who got behind everybody on a veteran defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Hey. So he's been doing this at a high level in big games for a long time, and is not missed time, Moore's missed time. I mean, a lot. He, he didn't play here at Penn State because he was
1: hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's. That's the part with him in general that I just... That's another one of those missing tape and evaluation things. Because the other part of his game is when he was healthy, he still wasn't targeted downfield because they didn't have the offense to target him downfield. Now, when he did, and there's limited sample size... It was impressive because what he needs to be is he needs to be Tyreek Hill. He can't just be another gadget receiver who's tiny and it, to, to be a first or second round pick. He needs to be the guy that can do it all. Maybe not right away, but eventually. And I think just the injury history, all the unknowns, that puts him you know in the second round, mid-second round, I think.
0: Now let's get to things you can't teach versus things that need to be taught. And you know where I'm going with this. Jason Oway, yep. 6'5, 257, runs a 436. Very few people can relate to that. Obviously, you can. <laughs> uh, but uh so you can't teach that. No. That's no. that's that's world class. And I was on NFL Network with Vic Carucci, mm-hmm. and Vic asked me about that, and I said, You guys are just talking about Jamar Chase and saying, Wow, he ran four three eight. I said the six five two fifty seven guy ran four three six. Yep. So you can't teach that. So at the next level, what does he need to be taught now that they already have this, this base athlete that is doing things that can't be taught?
1: Consistency, I think, is the main thing. And, Steve, you know what it was like here in 2020 for the Penn State uh, team sure. and and how James Franklin didn't you know, skirt the rules when it came to COVID-19. Nope. So so John Scott Jr. really never got a chance to work with Jason Owe, who was a raw prospect in 2019. Right. And I still saw progression from 2019 where he was clearly an athlete that didn't know what he was doing to a guy that had a plan and was attacking offensive tackles with, um, with an actual specific intention in mind. And to me, that is progression that I saw. So I'm more confident in the fact that he is not going to be this massive project. I do think yeah, that it, I
0: don't think he's going to be a massive project either. And the reason is that yeah, people will point to the zero sacks. Yeah. But how many hurries did he have? Yeah, I don't
1: I don't have time That's for where, the zero sack right, thing. It's,
0: when you're on the verge or you're setting up somebody else to get the sack. Yeah. He did a lot of that.
1: Yeah, so that's what PFF calls those uh, beaten defender, where you you, yeah. you won your assignment, but the ball came out too quickly for you to actually get something. If you go back and you look at the Michigan tape, he was unblockable. Yeah, he was. But there were he just he couldn't get to the quarterback because the ball got out too quickly. And that's, again, where I'm talking about he has a two-hand swipe. He has uh, a bull rush where Thayer Mumford was having a hard time early in that game uh keeping Jason Oway under wraps the problem is they were on they were on the field so long right? right and there's just a lot of things that happened in 2020 and not to make excuses but this guy is a raw prospect who didn't get the consistent coaching he needed to have the breakout season in my opinion so if i look at where he got better even in that situation i see clear improvement with his hand usage and i think he's a good run defender where he is an attacking, penetrating guy where maybe sometimes he's not playing his responsibility or his contain, but he is so fast and explosive and he uses his hands so well that I think the the floor of what he is, I'm not concerned with taking him in the first round because he's got that baseline of good run defender, yep. epic level athlete, and improving pass rush. And if you if you put him in a situation where he doesn't have to be the guy right away, right. put him in a rotation, which most teams do anyway... He's going to provide you those high upside plays, and as the season goes on, I think you'll get more and more out of that guy. Uh, wow. So I, I, am very high on Jason Owe as opposed to what some other people might be.
0: First of all, if you're a first round pick, he's going to be a later first round pick, which means that team is set in a lot of positions to begin with. Anyway. Thirty,
1: <coughs> Buffalo. Uh, uh,
0: I heard Travis ATN there, but that's oh, okay.
1: just claw my eyes out, <laughs> please. <laughs> Because how'd that work for Kansas City, huh? How'd that work in the Super Bowl for Kansas City, drafting uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I mean, they were really just a running back away, guys.
0: I had to do that to him. That's his team. <laughs> I had to do that to him. He doesn't want him to draft a running back. But I'll say this the uh, very quickly. the um, Josh Allen is a reason why the Bills were able to acquire Stefan Diggs, among others, because, again, of the financial structure. The financial structure at quarterback dictates what else you can do. And if the Eagles draft Kellen Mond, it'll be Matt gouging out his own eye.
1: Hopefully not, but that would be the case.
0: Did you get that package I sent you with all the paper bags?
1: (laughs) I did, yes. Thank you. Because I just want
0: you to be able to breathe into it. (laughs) Just, you know. It's
1: like that Sheldon Cooper meme.
0: Inhale, exhale. (laughs) Because during that 10 minutes where the Eagles are about to pick, and then... The half hour after the pick, you'll probably go through the entire bag. (laughs) Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. (laughs) We will come back with more in a moment. Mike Golick, final half hour. Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Q, Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, more with uh, Mike Golick coming up in the final half hour. He'll be announcing one of the Eagles picks on Friday. That will be a high watermark for Matt. And maybe it will distract him from, wh- from whomever the pick actually is.
1: It'll definitely help.
0: It's interesting that when it comes to offensive linemen, Tom Brady, of course, is the standard by which all quarterbacks are judged by in the last 20 years. He has not ever once operated behind a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. I mean, none of the linemen he operated in back of are Hall of Famers. They're all, a lot of them are really good players. As I've said once, I've said a thousand times. In this world of, let's talk about a generational player. Let's talk about a Hall of Famer. Let's okay. We have a lot of emphasis on that. Games are won and lost by a lot of players who are in the Hall are really good. And Tom Brady's operated behind some really good offensive linemen in his career, and not Hall of Famers. They're really good, though. And that's one of the keys moving forward. In rounds two through six, that's where you find those really good ones. And if you scouted it well, then you have what you need. But you're going to have to scout it well. And in this particular year, it is more difficult than ever to scout well. Because you didn't get a chance to scout. You have to do a lot of film, breakdown. To me, you have to you, it, to really be effective. You have to be at practices along the way. How teachable are they? How well do they listen how well do they mentor? What kind of teammate are they? There's a lot of elements to go into it. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia it's 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, fabulous pre-owned inventory, and from sales to service, they have it all, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Very pleased to be joined by a guy who carved out a fabulous college career, a fabulous pro career, and... And in our business, a fabulous broadcasting career. Mike Golick. Mike, welcome back. Great to have you with us.
2: Oh, glad to be back. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Hope everything's going well for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, i will go well. I'm on my way to Cleveland uh, for the draft. I get to make the the pick for the Eagles in the second round or third round or something. So that'll be fun. So I'll, we'll see if I actually say the name that's on the card or if I go low. <laughs> i haven't
0: decided yet. Uh- See, that's what I'm hearing, that you might go off script. You're going you're to keep everybody hanging, that you might go off script.
2: Highly doubtful, though. I, the, the
0: amazing thing
2: is everybody's <laughs> saying, you got to go Dave Akers, who made the pick a couple of years ago when the draft was in Dallas. And I'm right. like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, they said you got to talk smack about the Cowboys. I said, that was coming off the year where the Eagles won the Super Bowl and the Cowboy and the and the draft was in Dallas. I said, the Eagles were the worst team in the division and the, and the draft is in Cleveland. I said, a whole lot of different circumstances going on here.
0: Yeah. So where are you now? Are you on Interstate 80 right now? Where, where are you?
2: I'm on I'm on 90. I'm about 100 miles
0: from Buffalo. Ah. Oh, okay. So you took the New York thruway. Okay.
2: I Very did because nice. I was up in Boston. I had to be up there oh, for okay. some, some NFLPA stuff. But, so it took me that way, yeah.
0: Okay, very nice. All right, so how did this come about, Mike, that they said, hey, could you do this for us? Who opened the door for that to happen, and what did it feel like to, to know that they wanted you to do it?
2: Well, they wanted me to do this last year, but obviously, you know, the, it was virtual last year. So, right. you know, so I, I knew it was kind of in the works. So, it's a, you know, someone from the Eagles calls, and, and then basically it happens with all teams. They all pick a. Uh, they say it's a legend, but I say you had to go to a lot of phone calls and people saying <laughs> no before you got to B. But um, every team gets one and then so they they asked me to do it which was very cool but again they had asked me last year but obviously it didn't work out with covid um and then it's up to the league on what round they want us all to do it it'll either be the second or third round that all the the former players will come out and represent a team so it'll be pretty cool you know again i'm i'm not going to do anything out of out of the ordinary anything crazy it's my hometown so that's fun. I'll be in front of you know some some friends down there in cleveland but uh other than that, uh, I feel a team that was four, you know, four eleven and one, or whatever they were. I'll just, I'll just make the pick for them. That's <laughs> it.
0: All right. Where were you more nervous on your draft day, your brother's draft day, or your son's draft day?
2: Well, uh, probably um, Bob's draft day was over in the second round. So, and I was, I was younger than he was. I was. He was 21, so I was 15 years old. So I was right. a teenager. I did you know, what, what do I care at that point? <laughs> um, mine, you know, I was—I would say for my son, you know, because he started getting calls in like the, the fifth round. So we weren't sure if he was going to get drafted or if teams wanted to see if he would be, you know, priority free agent afterward. And that's what ended up happening with Pittsburgh. He didn't get drafted, but those last couple of rounds, I was pretty nervous to see if he was going to get picked or not. It, usually, all those questions that when when kids are involved, it's all always revolves around the kids.
0: <laughs> always. All right. This is a different draft because of what you just mentioned. There was last year it was done virtual. Well, this season. People were not, you know, I can tell you firsthand, people were not at Penn State football practices. Scouts weren't at Penn State football practices. You had opt-outs this year. How, is this a draft of a guessing game in some ways because some of the normal elements of evaluation aren't there, including players that opted out?
2: No, no, because I think the, the January to April evaluation can be a bit overblown. You've got tape on these guys. Even, you know, Micah Parsons, he opted out. Penae Sewell opted out. I get it. But they still have tape. You know, they still have good tape that you can watch. So I don't care what a guy runs. To me, what the combine is for, let's separate quarterbacks, what the combine is for is did the guy have enough pride in what he wants to do to prepare for the ridiculous things that they do? They'll never run a 40 again. They'll never broad jump again. They'll never high jump again. They'll never do a cone drill again. I mean, it it blows my mind that you spend months doing things that you'll never do again just to impress some people in shorts when you just had a couple of years worth of film to look at. So that always blows my mind a little bit. But, you know, you what I think it can happen is somebody kind of jumps off the chart at you, it can make you say, oh, I better go back and look at more film on this guy. Or if someone isn't prepared and a little out of shape, you go, oh, maybe I better check this guy's tape a little more, maybe in the fourth quarter, or, you know, is he giving a damn all the time? Quarterbacks, I think, are a little bit different the pro days of quarterbacks are laughable. I mean, when when Jack Wilson, <laughs> you know, was in shorts and rolls left yep. and throws a long ball down the field and everybody's oooing and on, ah I'm like, are you kidding me? He's in shorts and a t-shirt, nobody's rushing, nobody's covering his guy, and he and he heaves right. it. You know, let's worry about what he does in his film, and this has got to do with Wilson, because I like him a lot, but yeah. to oooing and I ah over something like that is a joke. To me, it's a joke. For quarterbacks, you watch their film, and then I think, when you get them in a one-on-one situation, it talking to them. Not only talking to them, but get them to the to the whiteboard, uh, talking yeah. about plays, talking about coverages. Get them in the film room, you know, talking about coverages. What did you see here? Why did you make that throw? Those are the things I want to hear about my quarterback, and then watch him, uh, you know, play his games. I could, I, in all honesty, I probably would get fired. I would never I, – I could care less about a, a pro day unless it's yeah. a place I'm going that has right. a good restaurant that I want to eat at. I mean, <laughs> if a quarterback doesn't throw well at a pro day, there's a problem. You know, when, you're, when you've scripted your own plays and you're in shorts at a T-shirt, so that's always aggravated me.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, When I mean practice, I'm talking about fall practice. In other words, you're getting ready for a game. I'd like yeah. – you know, like, that's, that's the practice. Those are the guys – that's where I see the scouts. I mean, yeah, I've gone to pro days, Mike, but I see scouts that are at a practice and say, "Are they coachable? Are they? Can they communicate right? Can they? You know, there's a long list of things you can see at a practice that are some of the intangibles as they're getting ready for a game, not yeah, not the un, not the underwear Olympics.
2: And, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I think most teams and scouts go off the tape. This is just we're just in the yeah. football ends in January and the draft is until the end of April nobody's just going to sit on their hands and say well we're ready we saw the season we're not going to do anything you know i mean football coaches all pro sports coaches they're all they're all so so you know crazy hands on that they got to know every little thing so it becomes a little ridiculous but for the most part i do believe they all go on or for the most part they're gonna right. go out when a player does on the field on practice during the week mm-hmm. and in preseason practice but it just again it gets a little crazy to me the shifting of the ranking of players from January to April when they haven't played a friggin game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and you're right about the whiteboard you know what are they seeing coverages there's another part too. How do they read protections? That's another part that they have to talk to quarterbacks about. How do they read protections? Because they have to call out what the protection is for the offensive line in conjunction with the center does at this level. And that's not easy because teams are trying to disguise that all the time.
2: Well, I mean, look at look at what you see. With, forgetting even disguising. Look at a lot of colleges. You see a quarterback going into the line of scrimmage, gives a cadence, a fake cadence, and then everybody looks to the sideline. And yeah. the coaches then tell them what to go to well, that doesn't happen in the NFL. You damn well better know, you know, if you see something, what you have to change to, from protection to coverage to, to routes to plays, you know, what you have to do. So that, that certainly takes some practice and some time. So, yeah, that, that's why I think those, those uh, intellectual things are very, very important. And not just do you know it, but how fast can you decide what you're seeing is real and make those split-second decisions.
0: Uh, to me, a big part of the league, now this is to me, if you, uh, Tom Brady so far in his career has not operated behind a, quote, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, but he's operated behind a bunch of really good offensive linemen. To me, uh, the foundation of this league is built around the Hall of Really Good. Uh, to me, that rounds two is rounds two through six. If if teams are smart about that, can you eventually build the kind of offensive line that can then give the guys who we're talking about quarterbacks the time to make the progressions, make the plays, and so forth? Where it doesn't have to be a first round guy that you pick for the offensive line.
2: Well, you when you when you say all you said there, the first thing that should pop into everybody's mind and a picture that should come up is Jimmy Johnson, because yes. Jimmy Johnson was the best at finding value you look at that old line they had in Dallas and believe me I know about it because I played against them for a lot of years yeah I, I don't I don't know how many were first rounders you know and there's Hall of Famers in there like the Larry Allens of the world right. were first rounders I, I don't believe I I'm just he I don't believe they round. were I mean and these were from smaller schools later in the round not first rounders and coach them and that, that, that's great scouting Seeing that okay this guy is good not only is he good but his game can can you know progress to the nfl his game translates. so yeah jimmy johnson was one of the best because listen a first round pick there's only one you got you know six more rounds or you know and say like the eagles case they have 11 picks i think so there's only one maybe two first rounders the rare thing where there's three If you hit on the rest, though, if you hit on the other nine, if you can hit on seven of them, boy, how great would that be? You know, that's that's when you get that success. You always, you know, the expectation is the first-round guy's going to hit, and that always doesn't happen. But if you get consistently get the third-rounder, the sixth-rounder, the the two seventh-rounders, one of them to hit, you know, that's when you're building a solid team.
0: And the other part about this, we all know the great quarterbacks are making big money now. Russell Wilson, though when he was a third-round pick making third-round money, the Seahawks were able to fill in around him with other players. Right. Even Patrick Mahomes was still on his rookie contract when yeah. they won. So what does that mean, for for example, if the Eagles do believe that Jalen Hurts is their guy, he's operating now on a second-round contract. Now, I know the Wentz thing still has to play out one more year. Yeah. But what yeah. kind of window of opportunity do the Eagles have to build around him considering his salary will not set them back?
2: I'll go two ways here. One, I get it. I get it. You have you have more time to build. Even Mahomes this year is still is still his big big money. I don't think kicks in until next year. So right. you're right. So I, I I get the fact that you have time to build. But also, I think people can use that as an excuse. That's up to the the, the management and the capologist. You got to plan two, three, four, five years out.
0: Uh, I think we may have lost him there. Right around the Finger Lakes. Oh, I'm sorry to say we may have lost him there. That was going to be my last question anyway. Mike? Nope, I think we lost him there. Sorry that happened because that was a great conversation. Uh, I, I think we got him between Syracuse, Waterloo, and Rochester. I think that's where we got him on the, the New York Thruway. Getting him to eventually, uh, getting him to Buffalo there. Now he might be trying to call back. If he does, that'd be great. Then we'll just ask the question again. Then we'll finish up. But we'll do that. So we'll see. But that was a lot of fun talking with him. He's, he's a great guy to talk to. He's so knowledgeable. I was glad to see he was back on games last year. Really glad to hear him back on games last year. The reason I was glad to hear him back on games last year is he brought he brought some meat and potatoes to the table. Yeah, I think what I remember him doing the Alamo Bowl. I thought Texas, which was Mike Yursage's last game with, with Texas. Uh, he did that game and was, I think, he was with Jason Benetti, and was fabulous on that game. So I mean, I don't know how much he wants to travel. I mean, that's something you have, you have to do. You do have to bring up how much does somebody want to travel at this point of their career. Uh, but uh, but all I know is that hearing him back on game work because he'd done game work earlier in his career but hearing him back on game work I thought he he, I thought he added so much Uh, I found it to be personally an enjoyable listen having him back on game work All right, we're going to take a break we will come back with more in a moment great to have you with us today and thanks to Mike Golick for joining us on the show um but he's on his way to Cleveland right now. Yeah. Matt, do you feel better after the segment?
1: Always after hearing from Golik.
0: And you feel like optimistic about what the Eagles are doing after hearing Golick on that segment?
1: Uh maybe a little. Yeah. Well, I'm just hoping he'll time. be the good luck charm for day for day 2. <laughs>
0: I hope he goes rogue. <laughs> he won't because he's a pro's pro, but it'll be fun to have him on doing it. All right, we'll come back, wrap it up in a moment. Great to have you with us today, brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. to you with us on the show today. Slice of news from today that is not sports related. Uh, 52 years ago, uh, Apollo 11, of course, went to the moon. And Neil Armstrong, of course, set foot on the moon, along with Buzz Aldrin. The third member... Who was orbiting the moon, awaiting their return, was Michael Collins. He was the third member of Apollo 11 Command Module Columbia. He passed away today. Uh, and he was in space a couple of times, and including Apollo 11. Uh, he's the one that and, you know, they had to leave obviously to go down to... Now, he's also on, you know, he, it wasn't the only flight he made. He was on Gemini 10 and so forth. And he's the one that looked at Aldrin and and uh, Armstrong and said before they left, he says, come back. And, I mean, imagine what that would have been like for him. He came back alone. (laughs) Said that, uh, he said, despite everything, he always felt like he was very much a part of what was going on. Always. I mean, he's orbiting. They're down there. Everybody, you know, the entire planet is watching him, is watching them on the moon. He He said, you know what? He said the entire thing was structured for three men. I consider my third to be as necessary as either one of the other two. In the 48 minutes of each orbit when he was out of radio contact with Earth while Columbia passed around the far side of the moon, the feeling he reported was not fear or loneliness, but rather awareness, anticipation, satisfaction, confidence, and almost exultation. And... Believe it or not, one of his jobs was the spot where they were on the moon. And, yeah, he found them. Of course he did. Well, he passed away today. And this is somebody who was a pro's pro, never sought the limelight, always came out, yes, and talked, especially when they needed publicity for the space program but Michael Collins was the third member of Apollo 11 the one of course that would not be talked about a lot but that means there's only one remaining and that's Buzz Aldrin and he passed away today Hmm. All alright and Apollo 11 was his last mission he retired what five months later let's face it you go to the moon (laughs) <laughs> How many times are you going to go back? <laughs> it's like, it's great. Okay. Just want to at least pass that along. You know, it was probably something else, you know, another news item Matt probably didn't know. It's, like, it's starting to get a little uh, kind of an epidemic here. <laughs> now I'm getting Matt mad. Can't do that. <laughs> you got enough things to make you angry right now. They finally demoted your guy. Gary Sanchez now is officially a backup. They demoted your guy.
1: That's right. Kyle Higashioka, baby. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Really gives you that Johnny Bench feeling. All right. Um... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. We got a lot going on tomorrow, including Merrill Reese, Jerry Dulac tomorrow. Thanks to Mike Golick for joining us today. Couldn't have asked for a better guest than that. Matt, remember, AM. You know what am means no anger management <laughs> all right